Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Those that are here, uh, we are kicking off a new series called Fooling Around. And the idea is that as a culture, as a nation, we are fooling around with God's plan for marriage, sexuality, and relationships. And today we're looking at the fake, the fake that God hates in our culture, the fake that he uh, spoke against. And next week, we're going to look at the real thing. I had it planned. If you pull your listening guide out, go ahead and pull that out. I had them both planned for today. You see that? There's like six points on your listening guide. Yeah, I was crazy. (laughs) There's no way I was going to get... I I don't know what I was thinking when I put all that down there once. I tried to go over it last night, and I was like, there's no way I'm getting through all this. So I'm just going to split this. It's going to be a part one and a part two sermon. So... The, the important part of that, that means y'all have to come back next week, okay, all right? You got to come back next week to finish this thing up because I really want you to hear about God's perfect plan, and I was going to give you a little snippet of it. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created a man, and he said of the man in, in one, uh, was it 118, no, 214? Anyway, in Genesis 2, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. And all the men said, amen, right? Okay, it's not good for man to be alone. He said, I'll create a helper suitable unto him. And he created a woman. And then he told them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the land. And we did. And now there's just, I just read that it overturned to 8 billion people in the world now. So we have fulfilled that well. And here's what you need to know. God created love. He designed it. God created marriage. He designed it. God created sex, and he designed it. God could have made it where to have a child, all we do is a fist bump, and nine months later, a baby pops out, right? He could have done that. He could have done it where we just kind of shake hands and nine months later, a baby pops out, but he didn't do that either. Okay, now, TJ already gave you the disclaimer. I'm not gonna say anything crass or inappropriate, but I am gonna speak very forthright these next four weeks as we do this series, okay? Uh, My kids are in the service now. They're 15 and up now, but I would be fine if they were 14, 13, 12, because we have these conversations And we talk about this because God created sex and he said, it is good. And all God's people said, amen, okay? He created it. It was his design. It wasn't like he said to the angel one day in heaven, oops, what are they doing? He designed it and he designed it for pleasure. He designed it to be something to be enjoyed but he designed it within certain constraints. One man, one woman for life. Now, 
the world has changed it. The world has shifted it so much that it looks very little like what God designed. Divorce, still a huge problem. It was a problem in the time of Jesus. It was a problem in the Old Testament. Sexual immorality, still a problem. It was a problem in the time of Jesus. It was a problem in the time of Old Testament. But today we have, we've taken it to a new level. And we're gonna talk about this fake. Now, when, when it comes to the real thing, the real thing's always worth more. The most expensive painting in the history of the world based on its insurance value is the Mona Lisa. Insured right now to roughly at our market value day, 847 or 857 million dollars for one painting. I was talking to somebody after first service. They gave me a little history on it I didn't know. He said, really the Mona Lisa wasn't that famous until it got stolen for a year, hidden away in someone's attic, and then when they found it, that's when everybody wanted to see it, and which helped make it the most valuable painting in the history of the world. But I've got a special deal for you guys today. Because you came to the river today, I got something better than the Mona Lisa. For the first person who wants to offer me $400 million, I have Mona Lisa 2.0. That's right. For those that might not be able to see it over there, there she is, all so pretty. Now listen, Mona Lisa 2.0 is so much better than the real thing. She's, she's larger. The original Mona Lisa is much smaller than this, this amazing canvas that we have here. So we all think America, right, bigger is better. So we have a larger Mona Lisa for you today. Not only that, but she's new. Everybody wants new, right? Who wants a junky old car? We all want a new car. I've got a new Mona Lisa for you today. Not only that, she's shinier. See how the light reflects off this Mona Lisa? It's, it's got more bling to it than the old Mona Lisa. I mean, after all, that paint's like hundreds of years old. Who would want that thing? So for the first $400 million today, you just let me know whoever wants to buy the new Mona Lisa or you can get it $79.95 on Amazon. Uh, you, you can have your own Mona Lisa, right? Now, none of us would pay $400 million for that. It's not the real thing. It's a fake. And yet, we are buying the fake story that the world sells us about marriage, family, and sexuality every day. We're buying more and more into the world's understanding of what relationships are every day. We're gonna look at a story today. If you got your Bibles, I encourage you to bring them each week. We're gonna be in 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel 13 is, is a fake example of marriage, sex, and relationships. It's an example that is probably all too true of today even that we're gonna look at. And the world's trying to sell you these forgeries at record amounts, these fakes. Now, is there money to be made of off of it? Oh, yes. A lot of money made in fakes. Matter of fact, a guy named Elmer Hoffman, born in 1906 in Hungary, 
was the most famous painter ever to make fakes and forgeries. During his lifetimes, his paintings were so close to the originals, he sold over $50 million worth of fake paintings. So much so that even today, his fake paintings are worth money because they're painted by him. Isn't that funny? But they're still fakes. And the world is trying to sell us fake stuff everywhere we turn. But God's original plan is the best. Well, let's look at the story of the fake. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 to 22. It says, now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Let me pause for just a second, give you a little background, okay? We've got David. David was the king of Israel at that time, okay? And he had many wives. Now, that was not frowned upon at that time. It was not looked down upon at that time. Uh, today, I don't know how anybody would want more than one husband or wife, amen? I mean, I love my wife, and I, I just, I can't imagine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we got that. We'll stop there, right? Stop there, okay? So David had many wives, many wives, and he had many sons and many daughters by the many wives, and so they were half-brothers, half-sisters. Some of them would not have seen each other. Some of them would not have known each other hardly, only by in passing, seeing them growing up in different palaces. And so Amnon catches young Tamar and says, hmm, she's a beautiful woman. I'd like to have her. And that's where we're picking the story up. This story takes place right after David was rebuked previously for having an affair with Bathsheba as well. We saw his rebuke for his fake version of sexuality. Now it's falling down to his children, his adult children. Verse two, Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a, a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother Shemiah. One day Jonadab said to Amnon, what's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I am in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend that you are ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if, if she prepares it as you watch and feeds you with her own hands. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to him, Amnon asked him, Please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servants. So they all left. Then he said to Tamar, now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him. 
But as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, she cried. Don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things aren't done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? And you will be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please just speak to the king about it, and he will let you marry me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her, and since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. Then suddenly Amnon's love turned to hate, and he hated her even more than he loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon would not listen to her. He shouted for his servant and demanded, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom of those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head, and then with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. Don't worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard about what happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. And I'll finish up with a little point. Later on, Absalom designed a plan and had his brother murdered to pay him back for what he'd done to his daughter. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to speak to us. Father, we come humbly before you, and we thank you. We thank you, God, that you didn't just put sweet fairy tale stories in the Bible. We thank you, Lord, that you, you show us the good, the bad, and the ugly so that we can learn from it. And Lord, this story is a hideous story. Each time I preach it, Lord, I, I feel like I'm getting more angry each time just because of the abuse and the garbage. And yet, Lord, it is so prevalent in our community, our nation, our world. We're, we're, we're absorbing the fake and believing the lie that it's what you intended. God, I pray this morning that wherever anybody's at on this, God, I mean, people are from all different shapes and sizes this morning, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to each one of us the area where we are believing the fake and where we are living the fake. I pray that you convict us, that we might be Forgiven, set free, and healed in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, this is a heavy sermon. And I'm going to let it fly, and uh, you can hate me later <laughs> if that's what's got to happen. Here we go. All right. Well, the first thing I want you to see is that fake love is selfish love. This love that Amnon had wasn't God love, when it comes to Tamar, it was selfish love. He wanted what he wanted, when he wanted it, how it wanted it, and he didn't care who he hurt to get what he wanted. Is that true? It's true, isn't it? 
And that's what he did. He brought his selfishness to the table, and he wanted what he wanted, when he wanted, how he wanted, and he took what he wanted by force. That is selfish love. And yet, let me tell you, that is what is being advocated in our culture today, that you deserve to be happy, you deserve to get what you want, when you want, how you want it, and sex is no different than a fist bump or a handshake. So if that's part of what you want, you deserve it. It's okay to groom younger people to what you want. Sex trafficking is a problem not just globally, but it's a problem in our community. I volunteered at the Children's Advocacy Center board here in town and and we're part of helping prosecute those cases. My job is to help raise money so that they can get the matching grants so there can be a safe place where children can come and tell their story one time instead of what it used to be, which was 11 times. They can come and tell the professional interviewer and be videotaped and instead of having to tell it to every different police officer. And the prosecution, they can, they can share the details after the prosecution. It's, it's heartbreaking. One story of grandparents who were raising their grandkids, driving their kids across the state line of Kentucky to prostitute their children, their grandchildren for profit. Disturbing? It should be. Infuriating, indeed. Sadly, it's not in isolation. What happens more commonly is a mom or a dad who's addicted to drugs and allow the drug dealer to babysit their child for an hour in exchange for their latest drug allowance. Disturbing, should be. Infuriating, should be. And yet, when I read this passage, what you need to know is Amnon wasn't the only one involved in this situation. When this takes place, it requires other people to be involved as well. King David was a loser in this story, a fool. If any man comes to me and says, I need your daughter to come to my house and, and cook food in front of me because I'm so sick. I need her to put food in my mouth so that I feel better. If I don't punch him in the face or call the police one, I'm a fool because that boy is not looking to feel better. I'll give him two Tylenol, give him phone number to the local emergency room. What was David thinking? I know what Amnon was thinking. Amnon was being selfish. He wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. Pornography is based on that principle. I am so saddened that we've entered a place where we have normalized pornography. One out of every 10 individuals, not just men, but individuals, visit a porn website weekly. And I think that number's probably low. We've, 
We've come alongside and said, you know what? You are young men, you have sexual needs, so pornography is not only acceptable, masturbation is acceptable. Just pleasure yourself. You don't even need a woman. And now more and more, we're emphasizing the same thing with young women. We have tools to pleasure yourself. You don't need a man. We're highlighting the selfishness and just saying it's a physical act, so what does it matter? God intended it to be a holy act. A husband and a wife coming together as one. He intended to give us a a gift, a present, so beautiful, so amazing, but he gave us constraints because he knew it was so powerful. And those constraints is in the holy matrimony with a covenant relationship that says, till death do us part. This was a selfish kind of love, and it's what we battle with in our culture today is the promotion of a selfish kind of love. He manipulated a plan, and it's amazing how with selfishness, there comes manipulation. He lied to his dad. There comes lying. All of these things follow one after the other. And yet as a culture, I remember this must have been 14 years ago, 15 years ago. I remember watching a late night television show. And it was a very prominent person who in interviewing this young woman looks at her and one of the first questions he says to her says, hey, I got a question for you. Do you like pornography? And she's like, yeah. He's like, me too, isn't porn great? And she's like, oh, no doubt. And I was like, where have we lost our mind? Objectifying a woman or a man because the fastest growing market in pornography right now is women. Selfish, a selfish love is what we're promoting. With that selfishness comes abuse. Once you can objectify a person, you can justify treating them as an object instead of as a child of God. It's wrong, it's sinful, and it's destroying our nation. Now, I'm not here to beat anybody up. Listen, I believe if, I, if we were transparent in here, I believe we would all admit that at some time in our life, we have been selfish in our love. And we have manipulated to get what we have wanted. We have lied to get what we've wanted. Probably everyone in here has told their spouse or their girlfriend or boyfriend something they wanted to hear, like the words, I love you, just to get the response that they wanted. And yet, all that selfishness leads to brokenness, doesn't it? It wasn't God's plan. Sadly, you'll have to wait till next week to hear God's plan, because I couldn't fit it all in one. So let's move on to the second point about fake love. Fake love is a convenient love. Now, God's love is a covenant love. 
But fake love's a convenient love. I had some friends in college, and, and they were talking about getting married. And as I talked to them about getting married, I said, man, do you think you're ready? And the guy says to me, he says, well, if not, there's always divorce. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I mean, we're gonna try this, but if it doesn't work, people get divorced all the time anyway. I was like, man, with that attitude, it'll never work. We have a convenient love today. We have convenient marriage. More people are moving in and living together before they get married. It's convenient. And in this room today, I'm confident, man, we've got a lot of people that are living a convenient lifestyle when it comes to love. Listen, I'm not saying it's easy because the world is bombarded. You can't watch a TV show. My wife and I are just, it's like, you watch a show, it's like first dates are jumping in bed. It's like sex is nothing more than, than like going out to eat anymore. It's convenient. My place or yours, it's convenient. We're giving away condoms to people like they're candy bars. It's convenient. God intended love to be a covenant. God intended love to be special. He intended this relationship between a husband and wife to be special. We want it to be convenient. I mean, the the audacity of Amnon to go to his dad and say, I, I need her to come and bake something in front of me and, and feed me in my bedroom. I'm like, what the heck was David thinking? I just, I, I, the more I read this, it, it infuriates me. But you know what? For convenience, David said, okay. And the problem with our parenting today, parents, is we want convenient parenting. I'm gonna call us all out, myself included. We want, we want meals at restaurants while our kids are watching videos. We wanna come home from work and let our kids do, be entertained with everything else instead of playing with them, teaching them, instructing them, loving them, modeling for them. And we've got these things called tablets and phones and we're giving our kids unrestricted access to the internet, which if you don't know by now, the goal of the internet is not to raise your kids to be godly children. Okay, I don't know if you know that. Here's your sign, right? Right? And we as parents have got to get on the ball and we've got to choose to love our kids inconveniently. Now, I know there's some teenagers in here, some young adults, you're like, shut up, right? I want what I want when I want it, because you and I, we want it. Parents, we are called to guard and protect our children. And it drives my kids crazy that I'm like, well, no, you can't watch that show till I watch it with you. And we'll see if it's appropriate because I don't trust the ratings anymore. I don't trust Disney anymore. I don't trust Nickelodeon anymore. Parents, watch the shows with your kids before you let them watch it. Watch them with their kids the whole way through. We have got to be on our guard. We've got to throw away this convenient parenting 
and choose active parenting. And grandparents, you need to do the same. But it all starts with a relationship. It's funny, my, my mom lived with us for 20 years and I, I used to kid her as a grandma because I was like, you lost your brain. I was like, when I was growing up, you wouldn't let me watch anything that had a cuss word in it, period. I come down and <laughs> with my kids one day, what are y'all watching, Grandma? Oh, it's a show called Criminal Minds. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, it's got, it's got, a, great, got, got a great plot to it. I was like, well, where's the mama that raised me, right? My kids are chuckling because they knew they could sneak downstairs sometimes and watch something with Grandma that wasn't allowed with us. Now, she meant well, I, but she, she was like, well, it's convenient. I'm watching Criminal Minds. They want to sit with me. I like them sitting with me. We'll just we'll hang out. Meanwhile, somebody's getting their head chopped off, thrown in the gully, and I'm like, what's going on? Convenience. Fake love is convenient love. I want to challenge you to be inconvenienced. When everybody else is laughing at the latest sitcom that you know is inappropriate, be inconvenienced and say, no, thank you. When your kids are bugging you to death to have the tablet and the phone and to watch those shows that you know are probably not okay, but man, you really got to get the work done for your job. You got to get the kitchen cleaned. You got to get your stuff done. Be inconvenienced and stop and spend time with them. I just got to challenge you. Convenient love is not what we need. It's what the world wants. We got to have inconvenient love. We got to have the real love that God offers. Well, the third thing is that fake love grieves God and brings shame and pain. It grieves God. God created man and woman and gave them this gift called love and sex. It grieves him when we do things. Now, ang now David got, got angry, but David should have got, gotten grieved. If he'd have been grieved, he would have done something about it. Sadly, because he didn't, even more pain came into his family because later on, his, his son Absalom, who was the brother to Tamar, set it up for his men to basically slaughter Amnon for what he had done, bringing more pain and brokenness into the family. David should have taken action and said, you know what, you've created a crime. There's gonna be punishment, Amnon. We're gonna do something about this because you know what, Amnon could not have been free until he was disciplined for what he'd done. Until he had been convicted and repented. And you see, in this room today, I really do believe all of us at some time have been guilty of, of selfish love. All of us in this room, myself included, have been, have been guilty of convenient love. And the only way to give victory over that is to change the definition of insanity we all use is what? 
doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. If you wanna see change in your kids, if you wanna see change in your marriage, if you wanna see change in your grandkids, if you wanna see change in your dating life, then you've gotta make some changes. You gotta get rid of the selfish love. You gotta get rid of the convenient love. And you've gotta honor God with your bodies and your minds. You've gotta choose to honor him in your relationships. Why? Why should you be pure and holy? Why should you wait until marriage? Why should you only have one spouse that you are faithful to? To honor God. To honor God above all things because he's given you this beautiful gift of love, this beautiful gift of marriage, this beautiful gift of sex. He's given this as a gift to mankind and it grieves him, I believe, with what we've done with it. Now, when my boys were like maybe six and eight, I bought what I thought was a great, great fun thing that for us to do as the three of us. I bought a, bought a golf club, and I bought these little plastic balls. You know, they make those plastic balls to play golf. Now, I'm not a golfer. I think you have to play at least once every 15 years to be a golfer. I'm, I can't remember the last time I played golf. I was always too cheap, pretty much. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna walk for hours in the sun, pay all that money just to swing a club. I'll do that in my front yard. That was my idea. So I'll buy this thing and we go out and my, I said, well, I'm showing them how to do it, probably wrongly, but they thought I was awesome. Let me just say that. And then they wanted to do it. And so I let my oldest son, Stephen, go first. And, and uh, I, I remember my son, Seth, he was about six at that time, probably. He was right up on Stephen. And Stephen's like, Seth, get back. And he's like, you, you're gonna blow it. You can't do this. You're, you won't hit it. You're gonna miss. And Stephen's like, get back. And he, I'm sure he wasn't saying it that nice, but he was like, get back. And Seth's like, no, you, you can't. I'm like, Seth, you need to get back. You need to get back. And Stephen, in his, he's like, you better get back because I'm gonna swing this, this club. And, and uh, Seth's just agony him on. I'm like, Seth, get back. And all of a sudden, Stephen just takes the club and, I know he wasn't aiming that ball. He just reared back and whams his brother. Oh, you think it's funny? Yeah, the two, two teeth later, knocked his front teeth out, blood everywhere. I'm like, ah. Oh. And of course, I'm sure my wife was like, why did you buy that for them? Anything like that is gonna be a weapon, right? With two boys, it's a weapon. It's not a tool or a toy. So we lost two teeth, blood everywhere. I grieved my decision to buy them a golf club and take them out front to show them how to use it. I was like, what was I thinking? I would just encourage you, instead of grieving God with your decisions, honor God with your decisions. Instead of grieving God with your bodies and using them sexually to get what you want, use them for the glory of God and experience the goodness of God through marriage, sex, and relationships. Now, this morning as I talked about the sexual abuse and I talk about the 
the perversion we've had in the way God intended for marriage and sex. So there's a lot of brokenness in our community, our culture, and in this room. Because very few, if anybody, has walked this out perfectly. And yet I want to challenge you, if, if there's that garbage in your past, you don't have to live there. This is the beauty of this. This is the beauty of God. This is why Jesus came. He came because the world was broken and selfish and wanting what they want when they want it. Jesus came to set us free from that. And so we want to provide you some avenues for that freedom. We have a thing called Freedom Prayer where you could come and just have people pray over you and intercede for you. We have a ministry called Mending the Soul for those that have been sexually abused to find freedom and healing. We have people that we will recommend that we will counsel with you to walk with you through this. We do premarital classes to help you understand a biblical view. We do marriage counseling. We have re-engaged marriage ministry. So many opportunities we want to pour into you. If you are single, please listen to me. Will you pray and invite God and commit to, to living a godly form? And you got to come next week to find out what that is, right? Because I preached too long already. Because as you do, you'll get to experience what God has for you. So many of us, we've already made some mistakes. But young people, you have a chance to walk it out in purity and holiness and see what God can do. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're not going to, we're not going to do a come forward invitation uh, because, matter of fact, if that's the case, I don't even need you to stand. Y'all go ahead and sit back down. Y'all go ahead and sit back down. I don't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, we decided to do a different kind of invitation this morning because uh, the first service, I did a come forward invitation, and, and nobody came. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Nobody, after preaching that sermon, who wants to come forward, right? That's like, oh, I'm, so I'm, I apologize. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm really not. I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to figure this out, okay? I want you to experience healing. I really do. I want you to get victory in this area because I believe it's the single most destructive area that Satan is using to tear down families, young men of God, young women of God. I believe he has warped the message so bad that as one person I was talking to said, I don't even know what a healthy sexual relationship looks like because I was sexually molested as a kid. This was a young man telling me this. I was sexually molested as a kid so much, I don't even understand how to have a healthy sexual relationship in my marriage. And some of you have walked through that pain as females or males. And you are carrying this hurt with you. And I am sorry. And I want you to hear this. God did not intend that. He created this as a beautiful gift to give you. And we as mankind, we have warped it. And so the invitation is this. If, if you would like to talk to somebody, we, we have a prayer room in back you can go to today. Or you can pull that card out and you can mark the box. You can just put, I want to talk to somebody about the message. Or just put the word message 
call me, okay? And we'll have, if you're female, we'll have female call you. If you're male, we'll have a male call you. We want to help you find victory in this area because I find people that have walked through and found the hurt from this have a hard time casting their burden upon the Lord and knowing that he cares for them. And I want you to know you can do that. You can cast your burden upon the Lord because he cares for you. And if there's victory that you need, listen, we've got a group going through a Christian ministry right now. Our, our restored ministry is, a, is for those who have been addicted, and part of that's addiction to pornography. It's rampant in our culture. And I hear people all the time, well, I'm going to quit. Well, you, you need help. Addiction, you need the help of the brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? Want to help you get understanding next week of what it is to have healthy, godly relationships. It'll be PG-13 again next week. So just be aware of that. Uh, but I hope you'll come back for part two to hear what God's got, okay? TJ's going to tell us what else is, is coming up. I told him, I said, I, 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 I might just be missing something. The week after Easter where we celebrate, and then I preach this message the next week. I'm like, was I off my rocker or what? I, I hope you'll come back. If this was your first week or second week, it's not always this heavy. But there are some things we need to talk about. And there are some truths that we have to walk out, and sometimes it's hard. But as the best place to talk about this is in the family of God. This is the truth that we have that calls us away from selfish love, calls us away from addiction, calls us away from abuse. And we need that. TJ, come before I preach another sermon. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit therivercc.com or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening and we hope as you go throughout your week that you are able to love God love people and impact the world.